Ready? Yes. Bam! Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is the end of season 23. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Podcast World 23, episode 10. Um, so 23-10. We I, I don't know why I'm like hung up on the numbers now, but I, I am. But well, every time we get to it was like when we originally had that idea of neither of us were like, we're gonna get the world twenty-three. I mean, and now it's just kind of funny to be like we're longer than any Mario game ever made. <laughs> there is there is not a game in existence that has twenty three worlds in it. Well, not I, a one. I never like thought that we would be like, oh, okay, well, we'll we'll only do this show for this long. I just was like, oh, we'll just do it until we get bored. And like, here we are still doing it. Exactly, it's <laughs> yeah, still it's so enjoyable. Good. People yeah. enjoy it. It's yeah, like it's, every week. It's a good time. Like. Anyway, every week we listen to great video game music from um, all consoles in all generations. We pick an interesting topic, a topic that. Um, uh, uh, would warrant us to go out and research cool music, good music, good good remixes, good arrangements, and we listen to it and we talk about it. And we are and your somehow hosts. we still haven't quite done a lot of double dipping. It may happen. Oh, I'm that sure it's like happened, fact- and we have probably forgot about it. But <laughs> it's usually it's only done one of it's only been happening in one of two ways. Either one through uh, guest request, right, which which is totally normal, normal, or and this is also intentional synonyms or similar oh, things yeah. like cave themes and this one's about spelunking oh i play <laughs> the super nintendo version and not the genesis version so i'm gonna do it it's fine <laughs> exactly <laughs> but like, I, we're not we're not super like we play things a little looser than some other podcasts it's there's no legality to this or that i mean oh no i signed a legally binding document that says <laughs> no double dipping on topics yeah you really shouldn't have signed that contract before we started the podcast you should have That's had a, a look, look at that yeah i really should have but i was so anxious and ready to go yeah i know so we would like to thank our sponsors um coca-cola frito lay <laughs> you know it's hers you know it's hers <laughs> make hers yours uh, hers potato today i'm um, so my name is rob nichols and i'm Pernell. and this is what we do we are ostensibly a video game music podcast we talk about games we talk about music but we in the end we end up talking about just everything else we uh, get goofy we get, we get a little goofy um yeah that's about it so uh, uh the game uh the indie game cross code that was on the pc just came out on console uh, last i reviewed week. it it's good i know i'm really like that's actually the what you game. got it no 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 I, I was going to get it i was going to buy it last week but then we ended up like watching movies or doing something else so but that, that's actually that's actually I'll on my you. list. I'm I'm looking forward to playing it. I've been following it in development. I saw it come out on PC, but I don't play games on my PC, so I'm super looking forward to it. I have one warning about it though, mm-hmm. and that is uh, it that it does that thing where they give you a place to go, and then that place is just like flustered with side quests. Oh no! So you can easily get lost in the weeds. Okay. Okay. So um, do you th- is it is it okay? But tell me this: Can I ignore side quests, and then they'll still be like kind of easy to get back to? I think you could. Honestly, I haven't ignored them because I'm insane. But I don't see why you couldn't, because usually the reward is just like you know healing items or weapons or um. Actually, that is it: healing items or weapons. <laughs> Or inexperienced points. So you'll do them. You'll get a little bit of like 
interconnected feedback, but really, a lot of them, you're not going to get, like, a lot of exposition because, again, the game takes place in an MMO, so you're getting MMO-esque quests. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so it's really like, oh, um, lost my cat, or it's like, oh, I need you to collect five um, uh, rat Dingle hoppers. Yeah, exactly. Literally that. Like, one quest that you get early on is find every plant that exists in the world. Oh, no. Like, okay, I'll get right on that mess. I'll, um, be, I'll, I'll be right back. Uh, the, the Saving the world can just wait a minute here. But I will say also the combat flows very well. Yeah, um, I'm excited about that. There's, I heard there's a um, there's a lot of good puzzles. Yeah, a lot of it involves ricocheting balls, but in and of itself, as long as done, they're done well, they can get a lot of mileage out of that concept. So. Yeah, that's and good. eventually you also get elemental properties to those things. Um, uh, worth mentioning that I wanted to say before I forget, yeah, uh, because this is something cool. Mm-hmm. I, it was mentioned to me. I, I went on a bit of, as you already know, on a bit of a, a social media sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I'm not sure if it'll be done by the time this episode drops. We'll see. But before I started that, maybe a week or so prior, I got a suggestion from a friend pertaining to a particular drink that is a beer tea or rather a hoppy tea okay now so it's tea but it's it's brewed with hops but it's not alcoholic yes oh, interesting. exactly now is it fermented much? i don't know but i'm <laughs> gonna guess it's fermented just it's well maybe not because it's carbonated so oh, it's, it's carbonated, not then, no if it's carbonated then yeah then it could still be fermented because okay because yeast uh because carb uh co2 is a byproduct of yeast yeah, huh. yeah. in that case it may, may well be so I went to look up the product. Um, it's called like hop tea or hop. Yes, hop tea. I'm looking it and, up right uh, now too. <laughs> now the only place in the area that sells it is across state lines, which, as you know, right now we're kind of barred from that state. So I had to do a bit of the sneaky, sneaky. Let's be real; that wasn't truly sneaky, sneaky. People were crossing that line in droves because they work in the state. Yeah, but um, we nonetheless, live in a weird, in a weird place. That's. There are, like, there are four, there are three states that border us, all within ten minutes of access. So, and a lot of the commerce between the different areas all come to work in this state too, because of banking. So it's a weird world. Oh, oh but um, oh, they have it at Whole Foods. This sounds really good. That's where I went. I went to Whole Foods yesterday. I made a whole day out of it after getting off work, drove just to get <laughs> yeah. this stuff. I bought four of them. They cost like three bucks each. So they're not cheap. Hop but I was like, I want to try these things and see if they're good. And I drank one of them at work today. And how much did I like it? I just spent $75 on it. <laughs> it's getting mailed to my house probably next week. Oh, my god! But gosh. I bought a lot of this stuff. It's... And the thing about it, like, it wasn't, like, crazy in the sense of, like... It was pricey, but it wasn't, like, an exorbitant overcharge. It was basically slightly cheaper than what I paid at Whole Foods oh. for individual cans. So here so, we go. They were at a craft brewery, and one of the founders... Um, took a month off of drinking entirely to start some healthier habits, which actually I've been doing too. Um, and it wasn't the buzz that he missed. It was the ritual and the taste of the hops. Yes. So, oh, that's so interesting. And that's what prompted my friend to suggest it to me because I've been as craving, you might remember. I've been craving IPAs. And yes. Like, but I haven't been drinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Like I made a post like a week or two ago or a couple weeks back saying something akin to like possibly kicking beer at home again and kicking uh soda even or trying to kick soda which for the record that's a tough call because i end up buying a 12 pack today but as long as i don't drink them in mass i'm still okay yeah. um, but we'll <laughs> see 
But uh, that friend responded, he's like, hey, well, here's something I've been drinking recently, and it's surprisingly good, and it's zero calories, yeah. but it's got the hoppy taste that a good IPA would have, so it's like drinking an IPA beer, hoppy but one, it doesn't get you drunk, one, and it doesn't make you fat. Though yeah. it might, maybe it'll bloat you, I don't know, it is still yeast, or still hoppy, but I don't think it will. Well, hops, it, hops are... Um, the grain is the heavy part, right? Yeah, the, the, grain, the grain is the heavy part. The, the hops itself is related to cannabis plant. Um, so it's going to have, one, it's going to have um, um, uh, uh, properties that are going to kill uh, bacteria, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why it's been used in beers for, for so long. The other reason is for uh, uh, the flavor, and it's, it's supposed to be very calming. It's like, like it's like chamomile, you know, where it's like yes, it's medicinal. Um, it, 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 it's what it was doing because it was a very calming drink to have at work. I, I love didn't the want smell to chug it. it. I actually fresh sipped hops it. Smell amazing, and it's blended with a bunch of different things like white tea and black tea, and like I think they have a chamomile one. It's just yeah, this unexpected, thing. and it's like I've had rattlers in the past, but mm-hmm. rattlers are. Very calorie laden because they're whole. They're designed to be like sweet and tasty. Oh, I want to try this. I'm, I might make a trip out and do this so that I'm not like, hey, Pernell, you gotta bring one over. <laughs> you you sh- honestly you should because yeah. right it's right over the line. I, that's what I did. Though I would still bring one over if it came down to it. But you should check it out. No, I'm gonna check it out. That sounds so perfect. Um, that sounds so good. But we brought should- to you by Hop Tea. Hop Tea. Go check it out. <laughs> Hoptea.com. I'm looking at their site and I'm thirsty. Uh. That sounds. That's so perfect. That's so perfect. Um, I should say one more thing uh, because I've been, I have been, not like in a funk, but like kind of fighting off like depression and anxiety. Yeah. I think I just need to like get out and do more of what from what I have been doing, and I've been really missing the beach and just the sound of the waves and that whole. Because I don't go to the beach for the boardwalk and for like the restaurants. I go to the beach for like sand and water. Yes. So uh, Saturday morning, we're just going to drive out at like six and I'm just going to sit there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take a, a cooler of sandwiches. I'm just going to sit there and stare at the horizon. It's one of my favorite things to do. Hey, that's a good I'm idea. I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, I can't knock it. I told I you that. I need it. I need it. Like I made that weird trip a week or two ago. Yes. Just And my sole goal was to find a lake. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. couldn't do it. Um, I couldn't do it. Our, our work is like right on the Brandywine Creek, you know, and um, like I was at the office the other day and I could just smell the water and it's just like, it's such a nostalgic, like that, that kind of like dirty river smell, you know, it's, yeah. it's such a nostalgic feeling. Um, so yeah, I really, I really miss it. And I use a white noise to sleep at night and I've been using uh, ocean waves and it's driving me crazy. Like I have to go, I have to go, I have I to go think- jump in the ocean. There's something I guess this is, it may just be worth saying in general for the show. I don't even this is probably something that we usually would say during like the the Patreon. Part, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It just fits. Is which is that I think this whole situation is hitting everyone in different ways. Like you might see all level variations on the internet about how people respond to it. It's usually the extreme ends there. Mm-hmm. But as far as like this general discussion with people, um, you might have like you just said where it's like you just missed you miss certain comforts like you know the sound of water hitting a shore because you used to go to the beach regularly during the summer um some people miss dining out in a specifically in a robust you know active environment yeah yeah um, like, like christy and i would go to restaurants because uh it's to be around crowds of people that we don't normally do you know so and like in the case like you get other people where it's just like they miss 
I don't know, connecting with humans. Uh, which I remember I saw a person, and it made me kind of mad. Like, a, someone I know actually posted the other day. He's like, it's kind of lame when you realize there's actually people out there that don't even remember it's like to hug a person or something like that. I'm yeah. like, that's me, you jerk. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. But, uh, but it's like, it also makes me think there's probably tons of people out there that had that same problem. And you don't even realize until, like, it happens just how something so simple mm-hmm. had such a huge impact on you. Yeah, and I don't think people are realizing that. And and, and, and the people that you talk to, you have no idea what they're going through. Because everyone's kind of going through the same thing on the surface. But internally, we're all dealing with it in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's not... and and, and and it's just it's i feel like it's eating us up a little bit and there's there's nearly we, we have to i feel like i have to operate like there is no end in sight and just try to move on in a different in, in a different way but in doing that it's almost like this nihilistic like oh god really no, it's, <laughs> it's not nihilistic it's it's essentially i said it to somebody not too long ago and they thought i was crazy I was like no it's true which is that um where they, I have a couple of friends in Illinois that are like, we need to wait until there's a vaccine. And that would be great, except for the fact that in the meantime, you still have to live your life. Yeah. Now, no one's saying to not do anything. Because back in that first two weeks, a lot of people were literally doing nothing but going home and staying there. Yeah. But, but it does come to a point where you're like, okay, if I'm going to try to interact and do stuff, it has to be within reason, because literally everything you do is risky. But it's a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. When you take a calculated risk, you can feel comfortable in at least knowing I'm doing what I can within reason. And it's different for everybody. Like, everyone that listens to the show knows I still exercise. Um, but when I go, my play is to only go when I'm the only one there, if possible. Yeah, that you're, way, you're trying to mitigate as much risk as possible because exercise for you is a necessity. Exactly. So I make that something I do. But by that same token... As much as I want to, I have not gone to numb round one to play Pump It Up, (laughs) despite the fact that it would burn a lot of calories. I just don't trust that environment. Now, someone else might say this different. They might go, you know what? I don't really want to do these things. I go to the bar, but I need to play Pump It Up. So they do what they can. They might go to the arcade with a bottle of sanitizer and a hand mask on or face mask on, and they'll just hope no one else is there or there's few people. And the thing is, like... My feeling is that as long as you're doing what you can to mitigate risk and acknowledge that you're in this situation, you're going to do what you're going to do to keep your sanity. But the biggest thing to do aside from that is to be vocal and actually talk to people about what you're feeling. Don't let other people tell you that something like not that something as simple as missing a hug is stupid. Yeah. Because that person is a jerk. That person <laughs> should not be allowed an account on any social media platform. Exactly. Like, you should be able yeah. to discuss with friends it makes and me angry. your feelings. God, that makes me angry hearing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, there's a lot of people that, like, there are a number of people that I know personally that are just genuinely toxic right now. Like, horribly toxic. And uh, if I have them in my network, I know other people have them in their networks too. And if it's not in their network, they're probably just exposed to them by general interaction because they're out there. 
which is all the more reason why you, we all need to be able to discuss and converse and yes. vent to people we care about mm -hmm. and be able to talk about it. Because if you keep it all bottled up because you're trying to maintain some sort of social norm, you're going to lose your freaking mind. Yes. Because that's the kind of atmosphere we've got right now. It is very the And remember easy. came first this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so, yeah, let me silence you now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, our topic this week is uh, games that we would like to see make a comeback with a sequel. Now, I got a little bit... Or a reboot. Yes. Because we are living in a world where where games that we loved are getting have been getting reboots for the past how many years now? And it, we're, we're like... We're, it's like the golden age of reboots. I don't know if that's like an oxymoron. <laughs> It's a, I mean, it kind of makes sense because you figure the reason why, I mean, a lot of people say they miss IP, like, you know, um, you know new IPs, but we're getting those too. So it's we not like we're missing Toji anything. Earl, you know, we got a new Streets of Rage. Like, that's that's unheard of. Heard but, of. But these are games that we really want to see come back. And I tried to choose games that, um, that there's no, like, analog for, you know, that, like, the, the, um, like I would really want a new Symphony of the Night, but there is a whatever uh, a Bloodstained, you know. Yeah, like I tried something like that too, and to an extent I pulled it off. But there's a few worse. Like I chose the game because of like personal concepts related to the game. Okay, um, that's good. Yeah, I really had to dig deep of like, you know, what do I really love? What did I really love? I would love to see like another one or like a really like high def version of that. And you know what, Pranel? I'm gonna. This is an even numbered episode, so I'm starting it off with something I know you're gonna love. Ooh. I, I'm wondering if you even picked from this game. <laughs> this is Twinkle Star Sprites. I did not. Yeah, but wouldn't it be great if there was a new Twinkle Star Sprites <laughs> or I, a game like that? <laughs> well, we can discuss that when the, when we come back yes. from your pick. So this is for the Neo Geo, composed by Takao. Oshima, and this is Love So, the radioactive mix, which is Sky Stage 2. so good.
You're listening to Love So, the radioactive mix, Sky Stage 2, from the game Twinkle Star Sprites for the Neo Geo, composed by Takayo Oshima. And let yeah. me tell you for now, I love a good shoot 'em up, I love a good puzzle game, and I love a good head to head competitive game. And I love the Neo Geo. So you put all that together with some cute music, some cute characters, and some frantic gameplay. And you've got the crazy mashup, Twinkle Star Sprites, with even the, even the crazy... I feel like when I first heard that name, I think you told me about this game, like, ages yep. ago. And you were like, God, Robbie, God, try Twinkle Star Sprites. It's so awesome. I'm like, Twinkle Star Sprites? <laughs> yeah, that name doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> but no, it's great. This is a fantastic game. I would love to see um, another Twinkle Star Sprites. But now, Pranel, tell me. Tell me what's on your mind. <laughs> tell me what's so- on your mind. You got that look. I kind of agree. I actually do agree with you in a number of ways here because um, Twinkle Star Sprites only ever got one sequel, and it only came out in Japan. Yep. Which I do own. I did buy it. Um, it's an import called La Petite Princess, and uh, it is the same style of gameplay with better graphics and more characters to choose from. And mm-hmm. unlike the original game, the character stats are actually relevant <laughs> because for <laughs> those who are to know, the character stats of Twinkle Star Sprites are so bloody inaccurate that you can't even trust them. The worst shot character in the game is the best shot character for experts who play the game regularly. Um, but then in addition to this sequel that it got, uh, another completely unrelated company released a game in uh, 2018 or 2019 that is a spiritual successor to this game called Rival Megagun. Oh, and okay. while it has nothing to do with Twinkle, Stars, or Sprites, it does involve space combat, a split screen with head-to-head shooting gameplay, and a whole boss mechanic. Though, the boss mechanic is a little different, I think. I want to say in this one, you choose to become the boss, and you control it on their screen when it gets summoned. Oh, you're right. Yeah, no, it looks very, very similar. I've come close to buying it, but I keep telling myself, get it on a sale, get it on a sale. Yeah, I think and it's I on Switch. It. Is it on Switch? Yep, that's where I would buy it if I bought yeah. it. It would definitely be the Switch version. Oh, it's on PS4, too. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a look at it then. Oh yeah, like if you like Twinkle Star Sprites, like even like even the reviews pretty much says like if you like Star Sprite, you'll like that game just yeah, the same. I, I had a feeling like one or two of these. It's like I just my my knowledge of games is not uh, as great as yours. <laughs> That's a good thing though, and it goes both ways. Like it might be something I name you go, you know, Pernell, actually, this game actually had a spiritual successor in the form of Apple Von Betty's Great Mushroom Capers, and it really stole me on the PS four point five. Like, it could happen. <laughs> it could happen. Uh, yeah, maybe me. Yeah, I, I really doubt that there's something I know that you don't. And you even know. if both of us don't know, a listener might come back and say, technically, guys, this game exists. And then we'll both go, wow. <laughs> so it could happen. Yeah. That's part of the fun. And yeah, also, it really is. Yeah. Like, like I, I like being surprised, you know? I, I really. I don't like, uh, like game reviewers and sites that are like, you know, they assume they know everything, you know? Oh yeah! Uh, like, I'll say this though: the, the the Twinkle Star Sprites soundtrack, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, a lot of the music is very like circusy, you know, very like uh, music box sounding. So, but the, some of the stage two remixes, which I think are all by this one composer, are just they're so fun. They're poppy. They sound. They remind me of like '90s Japanese dance music. There's two specific tracks in the game that I always come back to, and the rest are like they're just good for when I'm playing the game. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the forest place, the forest locale, 
And um, there's like a like a sort of fairy tale stage where the music is like re- actually no the ice stage the ice, ice stage, stage which yeah. I already picked in the show the one we the yeah, the one we picked way back when in 2017. Yeah, like those two levels have yeah. a great like I'll listen to them in the car sound to them. Mm. Um, but the rest is still good, but it's more like I'll listen to it in the game if I'm choosing. But of course, if it turned up in a roulette of tracks, I'm not going to shut it down either. It's still a jimmer. It's so good. Um, all right, but so. For now, what do you have for your first track? Well, the first track I'm going to pick came from a game that I remembered very fondly from my childhood. And it was funny that it came to mind mm-hmm. when this topic arose because I actually started trying to like list like a massive set of... Tr- like what I first did was I started listing a bunch of games as best I could by system. And then I tried to trim the fat and say what games are have sequels that are similar-ish or games from other companies that are similar, so I can rock, you know, remove them from the tier. Mm-hmm. But this game, I remember fondly, and I also remember buying a game specifically because I thought it was like this game, but even still, it was not, which I'll talk about shortly. And that game is called Bubble Ghost on the Game Boy. Um, this is the main theme from that game, and as I only learned when picking the track for the show, it was composed by Hitoshi Sakamoto. Oh, okay. So there's a reason why it's so good. Yes. Bubble Ghost. I've never heard of this one. Let's, Let's listen. You're listening to the main theme from the game Bubble Ghost on the Nintendo Game Boy, produced by Hitoshi Sakamoto. Now, this track plays for literally the entire game. Like, it just plays from beginning to end, so you're done playing it, and you never get tired of it, because it's that freaking good. Um, Bubble Ghost, for me, was one of those games... You ever, growing up, did you ever have a time where you would go to the store... 
and you would just look across the shelves because back then, you know, every game wasn't available for a review look up on the internet and every magazine didn't cover every game. Right. So sometimes you would just see a game on the shelf that had a really cool cover art and you didn't really know what it meant, but you, you just knew I have to play this someday. Bubble Ghost was that game for me where it had a cute ghost on the cover. The title was called Bubble Ghost. Like, it just sold itself. And I just had to have it. And it had that weird logo from the company. I'm not even sure what it stands like. an effing wire or something, but it was like eyeball. It just... Uh, oh, look at that up. Uh... It's just the, uh, the logo, the yeah. manufacturer of the logo was like, it's like a, just a big eyeball. <laughs> and uh, it stu- all those things stuck out to me. And I was just like, I have to get this game. And I would beg my mom and beg my mom. And it took months of this before eventually one day she said, you've been really good in school for now. <laughs> you haven't been a pain in my butt. Here, I'm going to buy Bubble Ghost for you. And I took it home, and it was my baby. All right, now, so what- it was developed by um, for the Game Boy by Opera House. Um, but this was originally created by um, Christophe Andragini and, and, yeah, Andriani um, mm. for the Atari ST. So for the 8-bit computer system of the Atari ST. And then adapted to, um, to the Game Boy. Wow. Now, what is Bubble Ghost exactly, though? Yeah. Bubble Ghost is a very simple game where you are a ghost floating around a house. And as you float through the house, there's a bubble that you have, just like a generic bubble that you want to take through the house with you. But if it touches anything that would puncture it, the ghost becomes very sad. <laughs> and the game is over. So your goal is to get through a bunch of different rooms in this house, blowing the bubble along with you without it popping. And it starts to get nefariously difficult as you progress through the game. You got fans, you got fire that wants to bu- you know, wants to pop this, you gotta blow the fire out, you gotta blow the fan out. You want to sometimes like kind of gauge where the, that the bubble's gonna get blown by the fan, and you gotta blow from below oh. to make the bubble go up while the fan's pushing it right. Stuff like that. And it's... It's very addictive. Hmm. Now, the closest it's ever been that I know of to a sequel to this game, but it does not measure up at all, is uh, there was a game that got released on the DS back in like 2007 or 8. I don't remember when it was. And it was only sold at Toys R Us called Soul Bubble. And it's a little fairy kid who also blows bubbles around. (laughs) And I was like, oh my god, it's like the spiritual successor to Bubble Ghost. So I went out and bought it. And while the game's okay, it's no Bubble Ghost. Not in the least. And I, to this day, feel that if Bubble Ghost got revived in some way, they gave Bubble Ghost powers or something to kind of make it modernized with times. If they would just if we have a seance and sort of, like, revive the Bubble Ghost. <laughs> Resurrect Bubble yeah. Ghost, play Ouija. Are you the Bubble Ghost? You get the Ouija board, and it's like, uh, Bubble Ghost, do y- you, like... Bubbles still? And it's like, <laughs> no. No. I am no longer Bubble Ghost. Just ghost. I'm it's just ghost. Just then. ghost. Wait, he's spelling something. It says bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> but I lo- it just, it's so good. The music is good. It's the just experience really good. is good. Uh, the, the music sounds like so much more than the Game Boy. Like, the, uh, there's so many voices coming out of this thing. It sounds really interesting. I, I, I feel as though anybody, to this day even, if you went back and found like a Game Boy emulator and put this in, I think it would still be enjoyable. Yeah, like it wanna, still works. I'm going to look up some um, some gameplay in a minute. Um, but for now, we're going to listen to... Now, there have been fighting games, so many fighting games released. Mm-hmm. But 
there has not been a new game in the Vampire Savior series. That is true. Now, I, I think the last time Vampire Savior have made it into other titles, but it's usually like just more again, you know, or or whatever. But there has not been a full Vampire Savior game. I want to say the last time I saw a Darksider or Vampire Savior character in a game may well have even been Crossage. Has there been anything since then? Crossage was on the PS3 in like 2008. Um, I think Morgan. No, because last time Morgan was out. Wait, in... was she in Ultimate Marvel Capcom 3? I ooh, I don't think so. Actually, I don't think so. But she was Oof. definitely in. No, she was in Marvel Capcom 3, but not in the, whatever the newest one was called. Um, which was, I think it's just Ultimate Marvel. I don't know. No one, no one played it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor game. It had Phoenix right in it. People should have played it. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one they played. The the one after that. The the, the, Marvel's, the Marvel one. Cause that was one after that? Oh, the one that had like... The, all the stones. Like, the battle yeah. the stones. But um, no, because at the same time, the Dragon Ball fighting game came out. People, were, people who played those types of games loved that to death. And that was it. But that's something else. This is all about uh, Vampire Savior. This is a song from Darkstalkers 3, which is uh, Vampire Savior. And it is the Concrete Cave. It is John Talbain's and Gallon's stage. This is composed by Takayuki Iwai. Let's go. All right. You're listening to the Concrete Cave from Darkstalkers Three, known as Vampire Savior, for the arcade composed by Takayuki Iwai. Iwai. Um, so yeah, I was um, Darkstalkers for me was probably the first combo-based, like or combo-heavy fighting game that I got into when I was a teenager. Um, the Alpha series was out there. I know there's a combo system in the Alpha series, the Street Fighter Alpha series that was really big. And I think at the same time, even like Marvel superheroes or or, or those kinds of uh, or, or, or Street Fighter versus Marvel, that, those were out. But I never really got into those. But for some reason, something about the the Darkstalkers characters and the speed of the game and the and the um, and just everything about it, it really clicked with me, and I really enjoyed it. I think I was uh, 16, 15 or sixteen. I used to go to the the, the Concord Mall and play it at the arcade there. 
funny thing with that game is that I barely did anything with the game proper. I mostly remember it for the really bad cartoon that it got at one point. Oh, did it get a cartoon? It had a cartoon. On the, it was just called the Darkstalkers. Was it like an anime or was it like in no in America? I mean, really? it may have gotten an anime too, but it had an American cartoon. Oh, oh my gosh, I am remembering now. Because it was like Morgan. Morgan was like evil in that cartoon. I think. Oh, this Felicia looks awful. was good. <laughs> they had. To, it was one of those typical cartoons where they had they, they grouped a bunch of them into like the good side, and then a group of them into the bad side, <laughs> and they were fighting for like. Like basic control of like the human world or something, and because like for example, um, they had the rock star guy. You remember the the zombie who yeah. was actually a rocker? Mm-hmm. They had him in there, but he had like this like British like Brit pop. This Brit rock star was like, "Hey baby, I'm gonna play a real mean number for you." Oh <laughs> that's this- like. That's uh, the kind of stuff he would say before getting into a fight on the show. It was hysterical. This artwork is so bad. I'm looking at this now. It is just so weirdly bad. It was um, a trip. I'm actually saving it. <laughs> it had John Talbain in it. I think John Talbain was good in the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, the Frankenstein character, I believe he was good in the cartoon. Morgan's the one that's throwing me off. I want to say Morgan was like maybe even a bit in the middle. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, it, uh, again, she's drawn really poorly. Uh, the main villain, though, was Dimitri. Oh, Dimitri was always like the, the main the main villain, right? I'm thinking later on they had that Judah guy, and I only know about him because of Crossage. My gosh. Or not that Judah, Jetta. But I mean, I think I'm not alone. I feel like the, the, the a lot of people in the fighting game community really think fondly on these characters and the gameplay and just how different it was. Queen B was awesome. She had that one attack where she turned her hand into like a freaking beehive and she fired a cannon of bees at people. <laughs> that was legit. There was some crazy stuff in this game. Uh, the what was it? The uh, the, the baby Bonnie Hood. Yeah, BB Hood, man. Uh, she was awesome in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, the first. One. I had to I had to read to learn that she's actually like a psychotic bounty hunter. Like they made her cute in the game, except for when she pulled her guns out. Yeah. Well, I assume she was just like a cute kid who just knew how to throw down. But actually, she was psychotic, <laughs> and the cute aspect was like a front. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so. Oh my god, I'm still looking at the cartoon. The cartoon is so bad. If you're if you're listening to this and you're in front of a computer, just just image Google search um, Darkstalkers cartoon. It's very funny to me. But um, I, anyway, I, it's it's cool. I think they tried to like really capitalize on like the horror in the game, the horror element of what it could be, and and a lot of the stage backgrounds are really cool and really creepy. Um, but uh, it's just a really solid fighting game with really good mechanics. I feel that uh, Capcom really expanded on these ideas with their for their future games. So it makes me sad in a way that we have like that they got this like Capcom specifically, mind you, had this like they revived fighting games that was Street Fighter 4 popping up and they stuck with that by releasing Street Fighter 5. But they didn't think to say, you know, if we did it with Street Fighter, we can re- we could resurrect some of our other fighting game properties too. People clearly want them. <laughs> and I mean, and I feel like they could even release them in a way that they would stand apart from Arc System Works stuff. I think they could totally do it. I think they could. I think they could. And, but although if Arc System Works got involved, I think it would be way better than no, no. If they got involved, but then actually did the uh, the animation like the U.S. cartoon show. <laughs> oh, cripes! That thing would that be like Street Fighter the movie, the game, the game. Oh, this- that'd be really funny. 
Darkstalkers, right. the cartoon, the so game. I, I could just keep looking at this weird artwork all day. So, uh, Pernell, what's your next track? Well, I'm going to pick from a game that is a fair bit more recent than the first game I choose, but I still feel like I, this belongs on the list for a specific reason, which I'll talk about when it gets time. That game is called Dokapon Kingdom for the Nintendo Wii. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the Overlord Rico Hell Battle theme. And it's composed by, I wrote down, Shigeki Hayashi, which I only was able to find because I actually dug the manual out. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. There's no, like, um, online credits or anything like that? Not that I could find. Mm. I'm sure it's out there in some archive that I, could, that I couldn't unearth, but... Or, or like on a Jap- Japanese site that we'll just never be able to. Oh, that's parse. true. Yeah. Welcome back. You're listening to the Overlord Rico Hell Battle theme from the game Dokapon Kingdom on the Nintendo Wii, composed by Shigeki Hayashi. Now, what is Dokapon Kingdom exactly? Well, Dokapon Kingdom is a board game. What's dictionary defines Dokapon Kingdom? <laughs> a series of a kingdoms of municipalities interconnected by an archipelago. Um, guys, uh, Dokapon Kingdom is a board game. And it's an RPG combined into one. Mm. Now, you might be saying, one, why would a board game have a final boss theme, which is what this is? Two, board games, Pernell, there's nothing unique about those. There's tons of digital board games out there. Well, the reason why I would pick this game for this particular episode is that I can't think of another digital board game that functions in the way that this one does. Now, I would love to see it get some improvements if they brought it back in ways that makes the game more, like, less chance-focused. Though the chance that it does have is still pretty legit when it factors in. Yeah. But I would like at least some of the battles to have more focus. But the idea of this game was that everyone had the same goal. But the world, the board that you played on was a literal world map, like an RPG world map. And everyone could progress at their own, like, in their own pace. They go in their own direction. They can go, they can advance their stats how they want. They can get class changes, fight battles, go for like whatever the, the basically the objects of the game to you know eventually fight the final boss. You can pr- you can pursue those in your own pace. There are dungeons on the board that you can pursue, mm. and you can attack the other players and screw up their quests. It is a and the thing about it, for better or worse, because this is the reason why I've never finished a game, is that it is ridiculously long just like an RPG like you will be playing this game for multiple days you'll save your file get all your friends back together to resume your board game (laughs) and you keep at it until maybe someday someone wins the game and 
I think to this day, one of my favorite elements of the game that exists is that, and I can't think of too many other games, both virtual, both digital and physical, that do this. Really? Where you get to a point where you can be in last place, and you're like, okay, there's no possible way I can come back. I'm just boned here. Now, in normal board games, you typically have that guy that ends up becoming the kingmaker. Like, you know what? Screw it. I can't win, so I'm going to help this guy win. But in Dokapon Kingdom, they give you a place on the map that you can personally go to. You can work your way there. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, a demon shows up. And he says, if you give me everything you have, basically purge yourself, I will give you ultimate power for six turns. And for those six turns... Your sole purpose is to screw everybody. <laughs> and I mean screw them royally. You can destroy their equipment. You can make them lose levels. You can sabotage their battles. You get all this crazy stuff you're capable of doing. And no one at the table will like you ever again. It is... I love it so much. Yeah, it'll probably extend the game like even more. Oh my god, it's, which is already so long. I I know more about this game because uh, they played it on Game Grumps, and they they couldn't get they couldn't get far because um, Danny didn't know how to play, and it was just <laughs> it was just so funny seeing him get frustrated and frustrated and frustrated, just getting like every turn, just getting boned. It was so funny. Because, like, the combat um, is, painful. like... They made, like, an it, hour, and that was it. <laughs> and I can believe it, too, because, like, the combat... The combat's, like, like rock, paper, scissors, apparently. Like, it's exactly. Like, yeah, it's, like, you're gonna... It's... Which is... It's nice. It's simplified. But, I mean, it, it really comes down to just knowing and being prepared ahead of time. And if you yeah, don't... Because you can't just, even be prepared. Yeah. Like, you literally can't. Like, you show up, you fight an enemy, and unless the enemy is in the game known to use a very specific attack every turn or something or have a pattern... You will have crazy cool stats from having good equipment and still be stuck like if I didn't guess rock, paper, or scissors correctly, this guy could still wreck my face. So you're just kind of in this bond where it's like no matter how powerful you are, you can mitigate losses, but you can still lose due to luck. Yeah, you just the higher your stats, the quicker you'll win. Like this, like for example, a, it's like it's like a, it's like a, it's like an enemy in Final Fantasy that just like confuses everybody. It's it's the giant, it's the great Marlboro, right? That yeah. Like, no matter how prepared you are, if you run into this thing, there's no way out of it. <laughs> yep. Now, let's say, for example, you show up at the fight and your attack is obscenely high, like 500 attack power, right? And the enemy has, like, 20. So, what that basically says is that for every time you lose a, uh, a matchup, he'll do damage to you, but it'll be like a trickle. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to take a while. I can keep losing these encounters until I eventually beat him. Knowing that when you finally connect, you're going to hurt the living daylights out of this guy and possibly beat him. But due to the nature of the beast, you still could just find yourself stuck in combat, hoping yeah. to finally connect the shot. So it's uh, a... <laughs> we could drag regard, out the game just a little bit longer. But I will honestly say, when I've played this with people who were on board and ready to have fun, I've never finished a game. Mm-hmm. But... For the time we would spend playing it, it was a blast. Like, it was always enjoyable. We did a plan for a couple of hours, stop for the night, but then never resume the match. That was pretty much how it would work. <laughs> if um, we ever do, like, a, a streaming uh, show, it'll just be that for, like, months. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. When we last left Pernell and Rob four yeah. weeks ago, Pernell had just gotten the final orb to confront Overlord Rico. Well, what, what we should do is have, like, really high stakes 
like high like real life stakes like put like a whole lot of money down on it so that we're both super invested in winning like the whole time <laughs> by the end of it it'll actually feel like a paycheck it's like we're playing for pink slips <laughs> <laughs> pretty much if you win Dokapon like, Kingdom for pink slips like it's such a good game like I, I, I feel like this sort of thing just imagine if somebody imagine if Square did this mm. that's how they want to say Square because I feel like now these Square isn't as good as they used to be but no, no, but it's that that, that level a high of, caliber yeah. RPG developer said, I want to make a board game environment or just an open world environment where every player involved, not an MMO, mind you, just a small group of players, would just do what they want, how they want, focused on specific goals, and they're trying to outdo the other people in this game world. Like, let's say, for example, it's literally like a Final Fantasy style game where there's a final boss who's destroying the world and he's got generals. But every hero is competing to be the best hero in this world. They want the accolade. They want to get the ultimate spell. Stuff like that. So you're all competing to be the better hero, and you're screwing everybody. Like you, you have a guy fighting like to save a town. Like think Final Fantasy says you're fighting Fumbaba to save the orphanage. Yeah. But you're just behind the guy fighting Fumbaba, and you want to be the one to save the kids. So you just kind of you know just flick a venom spell across the map. To hit the hero, and then Fubaba knocks him out because they can't stand up. It's like, oh no, the hero's lost. But fortunately, this random traveler, who by no means ended up here by you know intentionally, <laughs> just okay. happens to show up and defeat Fubaba. At and the, the last, hero's you, get the, dead. you get the last strike. It's like competitive do-goodery. <laughs> yes, it would be give me the best thing. And you can like trash talk the other players, so they show up to a town to get equipment. They're like, we heard about you. You don't wash your armpits when you after battles. We don't want you in our shop, and they just kick you out because uh, the other hero was spreading bad rumors about them in the town. Like these are things that would make an authentically genuine fun game. I would be all for this product. Yeah, it would it be doesn't exist. Extra wacky, but there is no more Duck Upon Kingdom for now. There's, There's no more. It's been raised by the guy who was in last place. Oh, well, speaking of raised. Uh, the next game I'm talking about is Act Razor for the Super Ooh. Nintendo. Which, yes, I know. I just discovered that last year there was a spiritual successor to Act Razor. <laughs> On the positive, you probably would have been better off not discovering it. But I oh, really? Well, maybe that's good then. Anyway, Act Razor. I, I find I never played this when I was younger, but I played it when I was older on an emulator, and I I found it fascinating and fun and extremely difficult, but really cool. So this is the track Sacrifices from the game ActRaiser for the Super Nintendo, composed by Yuso Koshiro.
is Sacrifices from the game ActRaiser for the Super Nintendo and composed by Yuso Koshiro. And ActRaiser I, I find fascinating with its, its religious themes and its kind of side-scrolling action, but then also the, the overworld in which you're kind of playing God and you're fighting off demons and trying to protect villages and, and trying to do good for the people in the in that in that village in that world you know um so that's that's something i would love to see done maybe on a grander scale or brought back it looks like it was attempted by a chilean company that did um like they developed rock of ages Mm -hmm. and so it's called soul seraph and that yep, came and out. And they actually got Yuzo Koshiro to come back and do the music. For no it too, kidding. Yeah. So that likely. came out um, last year, 2019. I did not know that. So um, I don't know anything about it. I see some screens, but I didn't watch any gameplay. You said it's probably better off I didn't know about it. Yeah, because while I didn't hate the game, it definitely generated mixed opinions for me. And this is coming from a guy who wasn't particularly invested in ActRaiser because I only first played ActRaiser in the 2010s. Okay, so it's uh, pretty, pretty similar in that way. Yes. Yeah. So what the way Soul Seraph works is similar in scope where you start the game out, you're an angel, you get beamed down to a 2D plane, and you're fighting monsters as you scroll from left to right. But some levels will actually have an actual stage to explore, and other areas will just be, here's a bit of an arena, enemies spawn, and you kill them all, and it's done. And then once that's done, you are introduced to, like, maybe one, the one or two living people in the world you're in at the time, because there's multiple areas you go to in this game. Okay. And uh, they'll be having a conversation, they might be discussing, like, light religious tone, they might be discussing, like, how do we get this world back up and running, blah, blah, blah. And then you're tasked with giving them like inspiration and insight and then yeah. helping them build their communities up. And as this is all happening, there are like different spots on the map that have like dark clouds over them. And these dark clouds likely are hiding like monster spawn points or enemy nests. So your goal is to um, build towers because monsters will be coming from those tomes, those spawning points or those dark cloud areas and trying to raise the town. That you are building. So you oh. have towers that are set up that keeps the monsters at bay as they're walking. It's like a tower defense game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then ultimately you're trying to eventually reveal where within the dark haze cloud areas the enemy bases are so that you can then do the angel thing where you beam down and fight, mm. defeat the enemies there, and then ultimately purge the land of evil and then move on to the next uh, zone. See, I, I, love, I love that idea of mixing that kind of... Um, interesting overworld aspect to it where like you're 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 helping the people but kind of like they they believe it's indirect and they're they're praying to you as a deity um and then going down and actually battling the monsters and that becomes an action game it's it's a cool way to to piece that game together like that but i never played the second one and from what i understand the second actor didn't have that overworld at all it was just side scrolling yeah, it was very actiony. I remember like Matt was the one that was telling me about it back then. He's like, "Yeah, this it, it wasn't what it was cracked to be, but the first game is still bread and butter." It's good. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And again, the soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, Yusuke Koshiro, you know, showing off of his this kind of classical, kind of medieval style chops that he, I feel like he's kind of the music of this game really brings back the memories of Ease and his work in the old Falcom days. Oh yeah. yeah, it's some sweet, it's some sweet tomatoes. Yeah. All right. So, what's your final track? So, my last track comes from the game Alundra on the PlayStation One. 
and the game track title is called The One Who Hates Man, and it's composed by Kohei Tanaka. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to The One Who Hates Man from the game Alunder, released on the Sony PlayStation and composed by Kohei Tanaka. And it's actually kind of funny that you mentioned ActRaiser before this, mm. because Alunder had a similar problem where it had a sequel that followed it called Alunder 2 that plays literally nothing like Alunder 1. Uh. It was only by name that it was a sequel, and it was an abomination. Probably would have been great if it was its own game, but since it followed this masterpiece, it just sucked. Um... But a lunger. This is another case of why would you pick a lunger, Pernell? This clearly looks like a game that just was taking influence from Zelda, and that's been done to death. Yeah, it is well, a uh, overhead style kind of action adventure. What well, made it's it so two, special, Pernell? So there's two reasons for that for me. One, this game plays a lot like a game that I've found I've beloved on the Sega Genesis called Landstalker, yes, where yeah. it's very puzzle heavy and when i say puzzle heavy, i don't mean like zelda where it's like push a bunch of blocks there's a lot of them so it's heavy right no i mean puzzle heavy as in you are actually likely to get stuck trying to solve some of them something that's actually kind of rare in games like this in my opinion um and to this day i think they're more rare than they were back then uh and the other reason why i love this game and wanted to reference it so much is because i like the idea that it presented as a whole which is that your main character 
is able tr to traverse dreams of other NPCs in the world that you're inhabiting. Now, huh. someone might listen to that and go, well, Pernell, you have games like Persona now, where you go into cognitive realities based on other people's thoughts, and I'm like, it's not the same thing. Because, one, those are just, you know, corridor dungeon crawls that don't really truly get a sense of impression for the world that you're in. It's just here, some background images to say I'm in a bathhouse, but you're only just going down corridors, nothing special there. Um, but the other element is that, unlike in those games, this is a dream world based around someone who's actually aware that it's, they're dreaming, and they're in it. Like, there's a dream version of them in that world that you're trying to protect that goes into, that happens in a way beyond what you get in, like, Persona's saving of the cognitive self. So, for example, this track that plays, yeah, this is, is a pretty, pretty heavy. Like, sounds like a big evil monster. Oh, it is. Mm. So, um, the main image, the main concept of the game is that your guy is on this island. He's able to walk in the dreams, and he happens to arrive coincidentally around the time where people that live on the island are succumbing to Freddy Krueger esque deaths from their dreams. Like okay. They go to sleep, and sometimes they don't wake up. They're being menaced and eventually killed in their dreams. You start going to their dreams, and you come to realize there's actually a monster that is slowly gaining more power that is killing these people and draining their essence to become even more powerful. So, when you start seeing here in this track, this is when the, that monster's become that much more powerful, and now he's actually trying to eat them in the dreams. So while you're fighting the boss, you're also trying to prevent the boss from killing the person in the dream itself. So mm. you're fighting the battle on two fronts. You're actually trying to damage it and not die yourself, but you're also trying to prevent the monster from eating the person inside the dream. Because if he eats the person, the game's immediately over. So, it's a very menacing thing because it's actually really tense when you're fighting these things. Um, fighting this guy. And, um, it's actually a very melancholy game because it's not a ha I mean, the game ultimately has a happy ending. Mm -hmm. But, but uh... It seems pretty... It's, you take, it, it stays in the darkness, right? Yeah. yeah, you take a lot of hits before it's over. Like, mm -hmm. you'll go into a person's dream and if it was like a Nintendo Zelda game, you generally expect to have happy ending results at the end, but you don't know what's going to happen. Someone... You might go to the dream world to try to do something and you fail. Mm -hmm. You can fail in this game and then people die when you fail. And then that results in a very melancholy outcome, but then the game has to go on. But without spoiling it, you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die until it happens. And that's actually kind of a cool element to the game, because cool. it actually makes you feel like you're trying to do something. Hmm. And you don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah, it's like uh, going into a movie, you don't... Like, sometimes like you kind of know, like, oh, of course, the these such-and-such such characters are going to survive, or they're going to win, save the day, but sometimes you just don't know, and so it creates that much more of a... Of a, of, a, of a tension, you know, you get more suspense. Or so. in my case, the black character, he's totally going to die, and then <laughs> out of nowhere, the one guy's like, oh my god, he's going to make it! He's going to make it! And you get all excited. Yeah, and the like, last second. Nope. No. <laughs> nope, they got him. Snap. Like, nope. What was it? I'm trying to remember. What I came out. I think it was like Deep Blue Sea. Oh, that's It was right. a movie where LL Cool J LL was in cool it. Jack. And he survived, partly because he was like, everyone's like, we got to go there. He's like, nope, I ain't going. And it's like, yes, right! You tell him you ain't going. You're gonna live. Yeah, he, he, he made music for that movie that was so bad, <laughs> so silly. Um, but he earned it. But because he, earned he survived. It. All right, I'm gonna turn this track down. We're gonna not think about Deep Blue, and we are going <laughs> to get into the part of the show we call the bonus round. The Deep Blue bonus round. <laughs> 
And the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. And for my final track, I am going with, I am going with, I'm back a couple here. I'm going with this one, uh, Jet Set Radio, Pranel. Oh, that's an excellent choice. Now there is that needs to come back. Yeah, that as a game that I feel would would really do it with a great sequel. Now there was a, a kind of a spiritual successor called Hover, which is um, actually had some music uh, composed by Hideki Naganuma, who composed much of the original soundtrack to Jet Set Radio. But there was no graffiti. It was just like you know rollerblading and skating and like hoverboards and stuff. Like I feel like the soul of Jet Set Radio was all of the cool graffiti and artwork within the game. And, and I would in some respects the police love to see um, come back. The, like that whole push back and forth. Like, did you play Future or no? No, I've actually only ever played the original. So in Jet Set Radio, the one you played, mm-hmm. as you know, as you're trying to graffiti the environments, you yeah. have the police that are out there trying to stop you. And yeah, they're yeah. out there the whole time. Getting more and more aggressive. Yeah, so yeah. it's like there's a lot of added tension. You're like, okay, you're, you're putting the commands to spray paint, but off to the corner, the camera shows the police running up the street. You're like, hurry up, finish this stupid I, know, I love that. I love that. Again, it, it creates suspense. Like, I'm trying to finish my tag on the wall, but behind me, there's like three cops, you know? Yes. Now, with Future, while Future did a great deal of improvement on the, um, the city traversal and skating around town and stuff, they relegated all the police encounters to like boss battles. Mm-hmm. So like you'd be like in an arena fighting a bunch of officers, and then when you've defeated them, they let you move on. And I'm like, that's not the game, though. No, it's. Ah. I mean, like I can see it simplifying the game because it actually made it very complicated to learn and to get through, which mm-hmm. made Jet Set Radio very difficult. But like, I think that 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 simplifies it in the worst way. And I remember, I think I saw you playing the game, and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, the um, game was still awesome, but I remember yeah. every time I played, I was just finding myself going, you know what make this way better if I just had to deal with the cops while tagging the city? Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is the remix of Sneak Man from uh, Jet Set Radio, composed by Hideki Naganuma, and this is remixed by the Mothership Loudspeakers. With a Z.
actually goes away. Evil Queen is almost the biggest goddamn meme on the planet. Scheming is the most degenerate this man has ever come up with. That was the Sneak Man remix from Jet Set Radio, composed by Hideki Naganuma, and this was remixed by the Mothership Loudspeakers. Um, yeah, so... Zers! Uh, just crazy, crazy amount of scratching and mashups and beats. There's so much happening in this track, and it's so... it's For being so long, there's so many things going on. It's it's really, really good. So check them out on YouTube. Check out their SoundCloud. It's uh, soundcloud.com slash mothershipl. It's they got they just they remix everything from like uh, a Euro beat to some other game music, Unreal Tournament. Um, it's it's really cool. So um, I don't know if, if they've done anything quite recently. They kind of stopped about a year ago. So maybe they just maybe they just stopped on SoundCloud. But it's they've got a lot of really cool stuff out there. So on who knows on the positive, maybe that'll be like them coming back like a year from now. Like we have like five tracks we just cut. But we were waiting for the right time yeah, to release maybe. it, and here we are! <laughs> we heard our song on uh, on your podcast, and we thought we got to get back in the game. Oh, that would be sweet. <laughs> All right, Pranel, what's your uh, what's your bonus round pick? I think this is another going to be another example of something that you're going to hear and go, why this, Pernell? But I can explain that, too. Because I have a reason for everything I do, except for that thing I did. We don't talk about we, uh, we it. We don't have to. It's been the past. Hi-yo! <laughs> um... So this track is titled Southtown Remake Number 109. And this is from the game Dynamite Heady on the Sega Genesis. And it was redone by Bit Symphony.
Welcome back. You were just listening to the Southtown remake number 109 <laughs> from the game Dynamite Heady, composed or rather redone, orchestrated by Bit Symphony. Mm. So, well, first of all, the track is freaking. I think 109 is, is related to the number of remakes that they've made total. That makes me sadder because if that is the case, I like I was like this is measurement. This is measurement number one hundred and nine. Like you know, typical classical pieces. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's I think this is like the the hundred and ninth uh, remake that they've done on their YouTube station. Mm, well, yeah. I'm gonna eat this memory loss pill. <laughs> Forget I ever heard that. It's the measures, measures, baby. Um, but uh. What well, first of all, this track is a revisioning, re-envisioning mm-hmm. of my favorite track in Dynamite Heady, and they did a fantastic job of it. So kudos to that. Um, but then the follow-up is like, why Dynamite Heady? I mean, it's not like platformers are rare; they're all over the friggin' place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for this, it's less about Dynamite Heady as a platformer, or more about and more about just like the overall just backward quirkiness of the world they created for it. And the fact that even though we still get weird games today, I don't think we've gotten anything on the level that Treasure used to put out to this day. I think Treasure is still like the king of this sort of concept, this style of game. Like Dynamite Heady, for those who don't know, is a platformer, but the entire thing takes place in a world that's populated by puppets. And all those puppets live in a puppet world, including having strings, having... uh. All the worlds you traverse are being manned by people in the background, like an actual best grip in like stage team, um, and you just see these like weird elements to like on this stage. You actually go into the backstage area while you're running around, and then sometimes you flip back to the actual front stage to do level st- level work there. So you're going backstage, front stage, backstage, front stage. There's a point where you actually get thrown into like the cellar where you see people like moving stage bits around and stuff. So it's like you're having trouble determining is it a is it a is this an actual world you're in? Are you playing an actual puppetry show? What's going on here? And it's in the game itself as it plays, just it it just takes that concept yeah. and runs wild with it. I feel like it uh, uh, treasure not only had like really um, creative artists and and musicians like the, the the stories and the worlds they they built were just so off the wall most of the time and they just they, they just executed on it no matter how weird it was excellent mirage mm-hmm. i mean the whole game world was it was populated by cupid dolls and pumpkin yeah. people yeah, <laughs> yeah and, it, and it looked very much like that it was very colorful and and, and but just so different but um, but for more information on the bonus round go to rhythmandpixels.com we'll have links to their band camps SoundClouds, YouTube pages, everywhere where you can go, buy the music and, and support these artists. All right, thank you for joining us on episode 23-10 of Rhythm and Pixels. These are games we would love to see a remake for, or a, how do you want to say it? Like a, we, games we would love to see a uh, a, revival a revival or something. Like please revive these games. <laughs> yes, 
And it's like, I guess, an interesting concept because, like, I did write some games down and I could have written more, but, you know, life got in the way. So I'll read a couple off just to be like, these are games that Pernell thought about. Honorable honorable mentions. That's right. Got Crystallis, Cyber Base Wars, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle, Flash of Demon Head, Little Nemo the Dream Master, Guardian Legend, Splash Lake, Marvel Land, Legacy of the Wizard, Wario's Woods, Money Idol Exchanger. Oh, yes. Yeah. Motocross Maniacs, uh-huh. though, I know that we have Trials. Trials is not Motocross Maniacs. Um, Lords of Thunder, yes, I know we have shooters, but no, they don't play like Lords of Thunder play. Uh, and in Marvel Land, which is more so because of the whole like mm. boss battles being done by way of weird amusement park games as opposed to just like the typical boss battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the entire game is an amusement park, which is cool in and of itself. Um, and that's where I stopped before I was like, crap, I got to get back to work <laughs> or, I'll, or they're going to see me writing games down on this new pad. I, I, th- I found this this actually difficult because in the beginning I was like thinking about what I liked and then immediately thinking of, oh, yeah, they did a remake or, oh, yeah, they revived it with this such and such. Um, but once I really got into it, I started to find some more I- ideas and just, just I was like, oh, of course, I love this stuff. There's great music already out there. Um, should be not so bad. But I knew that you were going to have like a list as the length of your very long arm. And the uh, funny thing about this is that uh, it, it made for a lot of fun in the sense of you know, we always talk about you know, man, games not quite like they used to be, you know, stuff like that. We have those dialogues and we talk about games that we do want to see come back, but like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, a lot of those games are coming back. Like, like last year we could have put Streets of Rage on this. Yeah. Even though there are other beat em ups, we could be like, there's no Streets of Rage though, but yeah. now there is. You know, but you they know? don't play like Final Fight. They're, we haven't had a Final Fight in a while. Yeah, you got Final Fight in a while. But like when you really get to the core of it, it's not just, you know, mm-hmm. I miss this universe, but you're saying, I miss this style of gameplay mm-hmm. or I miss mm-hmm. this play style. It's very little left that isn't being revisited. Or given like a revival treatment right. or something like that. Like there are things, yes, but I think there's less of it than we would think if we went back and looked at it. Yeah, I th- I think um I think the longer the, the later it gets, you know, the the more time passes, the more we're gonna see um, revivals and and like spiritual successors to certain things. Maybe mm-hmm. even to the ones we've talked about today. That would be freaking legit. Yeah. Give me another bubble goat. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get another Bubble Goat for now. It could happen, Nick. Even call it Bubble Goat, like you said. Be like, hey, he's a goat. He can't fly unless you get the jetpack accessory. Oh, I said goat. You... I meant to say ghost. I said ghost. <laughs> but now I want Bubble Goat. So it's good that you said goat. that. Anyway. <laughs> so there you go. Combine the two. Wait, wait, if there's any games you would like to see remade, um, or if you have any track suggestions or topic suggestions, we're always looking for new topic suggestions, please send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at Hotmail.com. And if you'd like more information about our show, uh, full track listings from all of our episodes, and access to all of our episodes, go to our website. Rhythmandpixels.com. At our website, we have links to uh, our Discord server. You can go there and and chat with us and chat with some other people there. Uh, Links to our our YouTube page, where we have a 24-7 radio stream playing nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit classics and lots of deep cuts. So that's a really fun uh, radio station there. You can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels. Just look us up. All one word. It'll, it'll come up there. We have a group in Facebook called Rhythm and Pixels Chat. That's always a lot of fun. Um, we'll hang out there and talk. 
Um, and if you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. There you get access to a prequel episode every week and a live streamed uh, recorded episode. So you can get to sit over the live stream. Uh, Pernell and I record the show and you can hang out with us and chat and we'll crack jokes with each other. It is, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, our July live stream will actually be at the beginning of August, just because I'm having some work done in the house and my internet's going to be out for a little while. So uh, August 6th, which is a Thursday, is going to be our live stream episode. And all of that information will be on Patreon. And at the end of every episode, we like to thank our Patreon members. Um, so we thank uh, That Nick Walker, The Last Regan, Mike Myers, Sonic Medley, Taco. I just like saying Taco. Taco, 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 yeah! Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Selkova, Andreas Milberg, Dan Loughton, Phantom Jest, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Bobby Arson from 1UP Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos from the Heroes 3 podcast, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound version VGM podcast, but now he's doing much more um, uh, demo scene music on the uh, on the Commodore 64 and now on the Game Boy. He's got some amazing, amazing arrangements coming out there. you got to check that out. And Brian Pitt. Thank you all very, very much for your continued support of our show. Um, I should also say that uh, I'm working with um, another Patreon member, listener, friend, uh, Bedroth. Uh, on um, he's making a re- he's making a meme into a reality. Yeah, so we uh, we had jokes about a fake a fake uh, Atari game called the Lobster Racing. So we're gonna uh, Carlos is getting involved with some artwork, and I'm gonna be putting it together. And so, perhaps your old friend Purnell might stick his head in to wish you luck. You're gonna do a lot of voice acting, Purnell. <laughs> that it's gonna, I can it's do. gonna be the smallest, dumbest game with the most amount of voice acting ever. I can now you got me sold. I can pull that. So over. that's what we're doing. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to put that together. Maybe that'll be out by the end of the summer. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. We'll fight about it. It's okay. We're going to figure out what our next topic is going to be. But until then, thank you so much for listening to our show. Thanks to everyone who supports our show. And thanks to uh, you, Pernell. Thanks for hanging out with me. Oh, thank you for hanging out with me. Honestly, the, uh, it's it's been a rough time for me. In some weird ways lately, and I can wholeheartedly say that this show and hanging out has been like one of the highlights that I get in my day, like yeah. in my week, rather. I'm, so, like, I'm, uh, happy, yeah. I'm glad I to guess, hear that. And, it's, and honestly, that's not podcast gold fluff material, no. that's <laughs> legit feeling. Like, I genuinely feel that way. Well, I'm, um, I'm glad I, I do feel that way too. Um, unfortunately, we do end up recording late, not late for me. <laughs> I get up Honestly, you'd be surprised. It's actually, I'm still with it, but it's become late for me too, specifically because of how early I wake up for work now. But not as early as you. You get up at like crazy five a.m. stuff. Yeah, I got, I got, I got to watch the sunrise. Otherwise, it doesn't rise. Pernell, <laughs> <laughs> you, right. you have a lot of, yeah, a lot of the weight on your shoulders. It's there. important. It's, it's a thing. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. And remember part two. Uh, yeah, I've been taking a bit of a sabbatical, like socially. Like I said, it might be over before this episode release for all I know. But what I do know is that despite being away from the social media verse, I have still been engaging with my surroundings in life. Um, and what it has meant is that I still, when I can, try to do good and help people 
when I see an opportunity to do so because there's a need. There's a genuine need. And while I'm not saying I go out of my way to throw myself in the way of like firearms or rockets or something crazy that could have some really bad consequences, I can say that I do attempt to do things that will ultimately make someone else happy. Even if it's one person or five people, what's important is that a lot of people are facing some dark times right now. And we don't know what each individual is doing to cope with it or how they are being impacted by it. But what we do know is that positive vibes and helping those who can clearly use the help will go a long way to making them feel a bit better about their predicament. And honestly, it may even make you feel better because you put forth effort to help another person in need. It's just something worth doing. It's something that the world needs. And by God, if you can, please be one that actually contributes in that way to the world to make it a better place. Yeah.